Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. One of the things I love about Jesus' teaching style is the excitement of discovering more about the kingdom of heaven. It's a little like a good movie where you can watch it and then and enjoy it, but one day you watch it again and you realize something new or a deeper connection that you'd never realized before. And I'm in no way trying to compare the kingdom of heaven with Saturday movie night, but uh, I, what an incredible, exciting journey Jesus has put before us to discover and truly understand his kingdom. Uh, Jesus' parables are a bit like camera angles and they've, they all bring a different perspective and reveal a different flavor of the kingdom of heaven. So today I've got you a different flavor. So Jesus never directly answered the question we all want the question to, I mean the answer to, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's kind of like asking the question, what is the beach like to someone who's never left the house? So instead you describe what water is like, sand, salt, wind, uh, and sun, to reveal the experience that words can't describe. So in a similar way, Jesus used parables to show insights and characteristics to explain those things. Uh, He wanted everyone to understand. We have heard of the value of each person, the neighbor and everyone, the importance of our work, expectantly waiting, Well, this evening I have a different parable, and that is the parable of the three servants, or otherwise known as the parable of the talents. So before we get into this parable, here is some backstory. There are two days before Jesus is killed on the cross, and he knows it, but others do not. So Jesus is making the most of the temple, most of the final days, by telling many parables and teaching many lessons inside and outside the temple. on the street and even at a fig tree. As Jesus does, he seeks out some fresh air with a view away from the bustle of city life. He and the disciples are sitting on the side of a mountain looking out over fields of olive trees. And up until this point, there was a separation between the kingdom of heaven and the people, but real soon, the greatest sacrifice was going to happen. The disciples have a great responsibilities as followers of the Savior, so here on this hill with a view, Jesus was preparing his disciples and us to discover the kingdom of heaven for ourselves. So now we pick up in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five, of, the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant with, who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used their money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. 
The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and, you didn't, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Looking at the big picture I have for you this evening, I've got three bigger points with a tangent or two. Uh, There are two kinds of people in this parable, the one who acted out of fear and the the one who acted out of faith. So we'll look at them, and lastly, the pursuit of celebration. First of all, though, let's clarify what five bags of silver are. Think of this as lots of money. Originally, the Greek translates to to talents, which was a unit of currency, but that is not the point. The point is the master gave valuable gifts to be cared for, invested, and worked at. Some examples the Bible gives us are the gifts of te waro tapu, or the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and their interpretation. Or there's the gifts in Romans chapter 12 of prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and showing mercy. All these, though, are not a comprehensive list of the gifts we have been given. There are so many things these gifts could be translated into in our lives. And James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Then there are gifts given in terms of talents, skills, or even opportunities. It's incredible to see how many gifts we have been given. And I ask that you do not get stuck on the meaning of the word gift. I do not think there is a word that encompasses all that we have been given by God. Initially, our mind might go to practical talents like, or things we have a knack for, like good with numbers, gardening, or meeting new people. Uh, But once you start to look, you realize that the gifts we are given are as numerous as the raindrops and are continuously being given. We're given forgiveness, and with this, we are called also to give forgiveness. We are given eyes to see the needs around us, so that we can fill them. Each gift contributes to the good will of God, not through one gift that builds up to a grand purpose, but many gifts throughout our lives for God's purposes. So what do we do with these gifts? Well, if we were asked by our master, how did you use the gifts I gave you? What would you say? God wants us all to at least to say, to do something with the gifts he gives us. Get out there and take action. And the biggest threat to this action is fear. In the parable in verse 25, we hear from the first kind of person, the one who acts out of fear. It says, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. How often have we seen an opportunity to be light in the world through love, kindness, peacemaking, and all that we are called to be, yet we take the nudge in our heart and squash it deep out of fear? 
As the third servant said, I was afraid. Fear for all the reasons of the world, but not of the kingdom of heaven. Fear of what will people think of me? Fear of what if it fails? I know I find myself thinking up excuses for inaction all the time. But fear does not need to be a part of our lives. In 2 Timothy, it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-control. This was a verse that pivoted my perspective in a difficult time. And with it comes a bit of a story. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to share this because it does make me seem far more epic than I actually am. Um, But I'm hoping it will help some of you. Fair few years ago, I was learning how to whitewater kayak. Um, it's kind of part of the outdoor instructing thing, um, which involves controlling a kayak down a river of various grades of difficulty, and I loved it. Uh, there was always this feeling of nervous adventure where I was learning to control and flow down the river with an incredible feeling of glee when I got down a rapid smoothly. One day, a group of us went paddling down a section of the Tongarero River, A third of the way down, I ended up having a bit of a bad accident where I was flipped upside down on my neck with the kayak and with my back between the rock and the kayak. Um, And I remember the cold of the river hitting my chest while it was real hot and fireworks shooting all over my back um, as I made my way to the surface to breathe. Eventually, the crew I was paddling with got me off the river to the doctors and it came to the light that I had compressed two vertebrae. Uh, A long time passed before I was able to get back into a kayak after that. And as you can imagine, it was a totally different feeling this time around. No longer was it enjoyable. I had feelings of fear, and the clear New Zealand rivers revealed every rock, every reason why I should stop trying to get back into the kayak. Uh, I sat with that fear for a long time and tried to get around it by avoiding kayaking altogether. There were so many excuses and convenient reasons why. Then I read 2 Timothy. With God's commentary and application kind of whispering to my soul, I have a spirit of power, love, and self-control, not of fear. God impressed on me that I have been set free from fear. God's spirit is so strong, so I have nothing to fear. Initially, my mind came up with a lot of exceptions to the, this concept, except when I feel pain, except when no one's looking, except when I could fail. One by one, though, God showed me his power is greater than each fear. Then the river, the pain, the expectation from the world, my motivation changed from wanting to get back kayaking to pursuing the freedom from my circumstances through God. Nowadays, I go kayaking with more passion and joy than I have ever experienced back then. Because when the fear bubbles up inside of me, I can recognize its presence and turn my focus towards the freedom giver. Uh, who makes fear cower. Even though I might not always feel free from that fear, I know that I am. And it is that statement that is the power we are all given by God. I'm so thankful for the freedom the broken back gave me. God can give us all freedom from fear. All we need to do is act despite fear and with faith in God's power. But sometimes we mess up. We take the gift and bury it in the ground. Maybe we think, I'm just not ready yet, or maybe we get lazy and comfortable. Now, if we look into the Bible, we can hear about a person whose fear gets in the way of investing their God-given gifts, Jonah. So God gave Jonah the responsibility to speak to Nineveh, 
to warn them of their evil ways. As a prophet, that was his job. Jonah listened, then turned around and ran. Fear got the best of him, and he buried his gift in the ground. Jonah ran in the opposite direction to avoid his responsibilities. Nineveh had a bad reputation, so maybe he was afraid of that, or maybe he was avoiding public speaking, or maybe he was afraid of what the people of Nineveh will think of him. After a whale swallowed him whole and he had some alone time, he eventually went back and dug up his responsibility and invested it by returning to Nineveh. I suspect that God initially gave him two talents, and when Jonah buried them, God took one of those talents away because it really seems that Jonah put in the minimum effort uh, he could by shouting a mere five words to the people of Nineveh. Translated, it comes to 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. In response to Jonah's short message, the king took those five words and acted fast. He stepped down from the throne, ordered everyone to pray earnestly and turn from their evil ways. I wonder if it was the king that received that one talent that Jonah did not invest so that the will of God would be fulfilled. Despite the fear, God wants us to act. The two servants who invested their gifts shows us that a step towards action is a step away from fear. Step by step is how you walk out of that perilous towards the kingdom of heaven. And God wants us to continually work or invest in the kingdom of heaven with our action. In the parable of today, the third servant buries the one gift he was given out of fear. For that, he is sent into outer darkness. Like Jonah, though, we have a choice to dig up those gifts from God and enter into his joy as he says in verse 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who are faith, unfaithful, even what they have will be taken away. Then we come to the second kind of person, the one who acts out of faith. Faith that the master can use what we give back to him. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. Fear is paralyzing, but putting into action what has been given to us contributes to God's purpose, and that is what we must have faith in. We can read this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Notice that phrase, everything to work together. In this digital age, it is easy to see how interconnected we all are. All you need to do is look at mutual friends on Facebook and you will see the degree of separation between you and someone else. The amazing thing about the King of all kings is that he has our plans interconnected with the people around us, but also all connected to his purposes, which began before time and are still relevant today. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever the purposes of his heart through all generations. That is Psalm chapter 33, verse 11. We are called to invest the gifts God gives to us according to his purpose. So when we act on the gifts we are given and give them back to God, we need to have faith that God can use what we have to offer, which isn't always easy. Along with the God factor, though, it creates abundance. Abundance comes from action, and action is about investment in the kingdom of heaven. With that investment, we need to not be looking for immediate impact, but a God-sized time frame on things. Just a few verses after the parable, Jesus gives us a clue as to what that action 
could be and what a God-sized time frame looks like. In verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. This is the action we are called for. The investment could be as simple as sharing a bag of chips, but that investment could also look like the sharpening of a skill or sharing the gift with others. Use the gift and let it be a part of God's kingdom of heaven. And with the power and wisdom of God, the gift will be multiplied. Don't invest the gift and it will rot in the ground. An example of that abundance is King Solomon, who is known for his wisdom and riches. Before King Solomon had this abundance, he was already gifted with wisdom. Uh, as his father David recognizes in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. But now, do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom. You will know what to do with him. Then later in a dream, the Lord offers King Solomon anything he wants. Solomon responds with a request for discernment instead of comforts and pleasures, which pleases the Lord, and so he is granted discernment as well as riches. Then comes a verse I did not at first pay much attention to. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. Imagine thinking the problems you had were solved and then having to wake up to reality with no confirmation anything actually happened. Despite the disappointment, King Solomon exercises the small amount of wisdom he thought he had some time later. Two prostitutes are arguing over whose baby is whose. One baby is alive and one is dead. King Solomon judges wisely as we pick up in verse 25. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. Solomon was given the gift of wisdom, and even before he knew that the Lord had increased his gift, when Solomon still thought it was all just a dream, he invested his gift by using it. With use of his gift came an abundance more, Solomon was even given the title as the wisest man that will ever live. Uh, abundance can come in all shapes and sizes, but money is one of those things we often think of first. A commodity that we all react to and use differently, with advice coming at us from every angle, ranging from TV to TikTok. Uh, money is a great example of investing and the fruits of investing. One topic of that advice is maximizing your money. Uh, lots of people are buying houses and there are so many reasons why. One of them is the fact that money sitting idle, we are told, is a waste. Maximize your money and make it work for you. In the last five years, there has been a huge increase in apps providing ways to invest your money with Sharesies, Hatch and Harmony, etc. Did you know though that if you had invested $1,000 in 2010, it would be more than double that in 2020. Money you are not investing is actually losing value. Well, the same goes for other things, love, kindness, discipline, prayer. God has given us these gifts to maximize and to invest. 
And you do that by taking action and putting them to use. Granted, that is an example using the economy, which are man-made rules for how we all operate. Uh, but look outside at the trees. Uh, many years ago, my primary school gifted each graduating student with a small native sapling. Uh, nowadays, when I see it, I'm looking at a proper tree that shades the yard with its branches. Since that day, many years ago, that tree has never stopped growing. And if it were to die, we would know by the lack of new growth. As much as we might be comfortable with the way things are right now, or as much as the risk of investing our gifts might scare us, we only have two options, to invest or to have your gifts taken from you and given to someone else. As Christ followers, though, our investments are as varied as the amount of different people in this world. Investments could look like giving generously, forgiving endlessly, serving tirelessly, whatever gift you have before you. Seek opportunities to invest it. There is a whakatoki or a, a proverb that I think of often that can guide an aspect of our perspective. Kafati uh, kitai kapau te torea. When the tide recedes, the oyster catcher strikes. This proverb is about taking opportunities while they are there, because when the tide comes in and covers all the oysters, the opportunity to eat is gone. Sometimes we let the tide come in without taking the opportunity to take action, whether that is using our physical wealth or using the kind heart that God gave you to stop and say hello to someone. God has given each of us a gift and his or gifts, and his call is to invest those gifts into and for the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes it is a matter of perspective to see the gifts, and sometimes it is a matter of practice to find their use. As we grow spiritually, we will get better at investing. I love the imagery of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. We need to leave the shallows where everything is plain to see and comfortable and venture deep into our hearts. That is where we will recognize our king's perspective. From there, we can act on purposes through insight. Then we come to our final point of tonight, and that is the pursuit of celebration. The pursuit of celebration with the God we follow is noble and entwined in our DNA. We are created to be in unity with God. The parable addresses a common divide in this unity, and that is comparing our purposes and gifts with others. Uh, this comparison seems to get in the way of our celebration with God. In this parable, though, I believe God wants us to know that small or big, a gift that is invested will be celebrated. Have a look at the repetition in these two verses. Uh, the master's response to both the servant who made five bags of silver into ten, and the servant who made two bags of silver into four was... Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. It's difficult not to compare when someone else's gift just looks better. Well, let me remind you of the God factor. One day, while I was on a run, I came across the most beautiful, irresistible jet black dog, and as I stopped to give some love to the dog, I got talking to his owner. A lovely lady. My run turned into a walk and ended with me walking away with a bag of socks. 
she gave to me. Little did she realize that some weeks before, I had made a very forgettable mention to God how I needed some more socks. Uh, So now the small but generous gift has to this day reminded me of how God cares for us in large and small ways. The small gift this lady invested was multiplied by God's heart and perfect timing. But the important part is that she invested it, no matter how small. I mean, they were just socks. Uh, This is not a promise that every little request to God will be answered. I'm saying every little gift he has given you can be invested in the kingdom of heaven. And with his power, God can increase the value of your gifts in ways you may never know or comprehend. So we have faith in God, not in our own actions. Um, If I could just ask the wonderful musicians to come up. Um, Just finish off on one last thing. We are all given gifts. And with those gifts, we can choose to either be a person who acts out of fear or a person who acts out of faith. Even though we might not always feel free from that fear, we are. When we are a person who acts out of faith, we can know that our gifts contribute to the kingdom of heaven through God. If I was to boil down the essence of what I've been saying, it is that you are free from fear, thanks to Jesus. You are called to action, which brings abundance, and thanks again to God. And no matter what the outcome is, all investments in the kingdom of heaven are celebration worthy. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.